0: Hey everyone, this is Dorinda Wilson. Welcome to this week's podcast. If you don't know me already, I am married to Daryl. We have eight kids five boys and three girls. Their ages are 13 to almost 27. We have four grandkids and we've been homeschooling for over 22 years. My husband told me a few years ago that I should write a book and I actually started laughing because I, I couldn't figure out what in the world he would want me to write about. And he said, You should write about homeschooling. And I said, why would I why would I do that? Why would anybody want to hear what I have to say because our schedule and our homeschooling has just been so simple and straightforward and he said that's exactly why you should write it. So, I did. I wrote a simple, mercifully short book on homeschooling called The Unhurried Homeschooler. I would love for you to go check it out on Amazon. It's probably a less than two-hour read. And I just continually get feedback from moms of how encouraged they are and how much more at peace they are in their homeschooling after reading that book. So I'm hoping it'll be an encouragement for you too. So go check that out on Amazon. I also recently published a book called The Unhurried... What is it? It's Unhurried something, right? (laughs) Unhurried Grace for a mom's heart, and it is a 31-day devotional. Um, written just for moms, and the reason that I wrote it was I just really felt strongly. First of all, I wanted moms to be encouraged to hear from the Lord for themselves, because here's the thing: whether we're homeschooling or not, this whole parenting thing is uh, it, it's it's no joke. You know, it, it takes a commitment, and it, it gets confusing sometimes. We need to hear from the Lord, and that is why I wrote this book that we could so that we could dig into some passages and really uh, get to know God better and get to know his word better to anchor us and give us that wisdom and that guidance and that confidence that we need as moms and as homeschooling moms. So I hope you'll go check out Unhurried Grace for a mom's heart on Amazon as well. If you haven't connected with me any other place besides the podcast, I encourage you to go to my blog, dorindawilson.com. There are quite a few other podcasts there, but there's also quite a bit of written material that you that might be a real encouragement for you. So I encourage you to go check that out. Also, if you do social media, you can connect with me on Facebook. Uh, it is Dorinda Wilson. And Instagram is at Dorinda Lee Wilson. So I would love to connect with you there if that's something that you do. Also, I have a few events that I'm going to be speaking at. Uh, One of them is actually just a... um, It's not actually a speaking event. It's a meet and greet and a book signing. And I'm super excited about this. This is going to be in Auburn, Massachusetts at Morningstar Christian Bookstore. I would love to meet you. I'd love to talk with you for a little bit, give you a hug, pray with you if you need it. So if you're in that area, please come. This is on March 24th from 9 a.m. to 1130 a.m. at Morningstar Christian Bookstore. I will also be at Teach Them Diligently Convention. In Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. This is going to happen May 17th to the 19th. And then June 1st, I'll be in Winston-Salem at the North Carolina Home, I think it's North Carolinians for Home Education. So it's NCHE Thrive convention. I will be speaking just on June 1st. The convention is several days besides that, but I will be there for that particular day. I would love to see you, love to meet you. So here we are. It is another week, and how is your week going? How are you doing with the kids? It's it's interesting to me how every week can just be so different, and how a Monday can start out great, and um, and the rest of the week can change really quickly, or vice versa. So hopefully today you'll get some encouragement as I talk about why homeschooling works, and it's not what you think. So I'm going to just be touching on some very basic aspects of homeschooling that are the actual key principles that make homeschooling work. Before I dive into that, I want to remind you that last week I talked about how moms impact the culture. And I want to just mention a couple things from that because it ties into what I'm going to be talking about today. One of the things that I shared last week was how motherhood, not just the role, but the essence and the nature of it, is a gift that God wants to use to effectively raise our children and bring change to the culture. So this this role of motherhood, it's a nurturing role, and it's something that that nurturing— gift is put inside of each of us as mothers. And it comes out and looks a little differently for each of us. So there's a uniqueness to it, but it's still that uh, comes down to that mothering, nurturing um, gift that God has, that nature that God has put in us as mothers. It's what makes us able to mother. I, I know people who are women who um, didn't seem to be very nurturing. I, I didn't really see a lot of nurturing aspects to their personality until they had children or until they found um, a ministry or something where that really brought that out and 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 uh, grew that and developed that in them. But God put that in us for a reason and for a purpose. And I'm convinced that it offers... Um, just a unique sphere of influence that can't be replicated anywhere else. And I also believe that each of us has a place of influence or a sphere of influence that no one else has. And so, this, um, the encouragement last week was to tap into that, that mothering, nurturing nature that God has put in you and use it not only in your home, that's the first place, of course, that we want to use it in raising our children but also um, in impacting the culture around us. And I talked more about that. But what I want to talk about today um, and tie in today is the fact that we have this opportunity to take that nurturing relationship and utilize that in our homeschooling. I really believe that God gave that to us as a gift to help us homeschool. And so I always encourage uh, moms to remember to be moms first and teacher second. And, and generally what happens is if we are mom first, we, we approach the relationship and learning from that that place of love and warmth of that mothering nature, that learning and teaching, that, that learning and teaching relationship that we have with our children happens naturally. So this is a God-given gift that God has given us to help us homeschool our kids. So that's how I'm tying this in. To the topic today of why homeschooling works, because that's our part in that homeschooling, um, in this whole homeschooling journey, is to uh, homeschool from that from that nurturing place. But before I jump into the three things that I think um, are what make homeschooling works, I want to preface this by saying that I love and appreciate and admire teachers. Um, If there are teachers listening to this. this podcast isn't a statement against teachers, but it is simply some basic truths to help parents see how and why homeschooling is not just a viable option, but a realistic one. I want to, you know, I also want to encourage parents who are already homeschooling to simplify and enjoy their homeschooling journey. So, Um, When I say it's not just a viable option, but a realistic one, I want to tie that into what I was just talking about. As moms, we have this nurturing nature, so it's realistic to think that we can actually teach our children. So let's, let's dive into the three things that I think are what make homeschooling work. First of all, along that nurturing line, parents care more than anyone about their children and their children's future. I want you to think about that. There are other people who care about our children. There are teachers, there are grandparents and friends and neighbors. But the reality is that 99% of the time, parents are the ones who care the most. And just that nature, uh, the nature of the fact that we care that much for our children makes a huge difference. In, in, the, in our ability to homeschool them. So it's, it's natural for parents to love their children. And because of that, we will typically go to great lengths to make sure that they have what they need. It's this love and warmth in the parent-child relationship that creates a great learning environment for our kids. The greatest teacher out there Cannot replace a warm, loving, responsive parent because that is the nature of that role. That is the nature of that relationship between a parent and child. Is this is this love and this uh, this responsiveness to each other that's unique to any other relationship? God created it that way, and so it makes sense. Um, that a, a teacher couldn't full, ever fully replicate or replace that, and I don't think any teacher out there would claim to do that. There are situations where the parents have abdicated their role, and they're not engaged and they're distracted. I, I understand all of that, and and great teachers can can fill a part of that, but like I said before, they can never re- fully replace a warm, loving, responsive parent. If that parent is warm, loving, and responsive, a teacher cannot replace that. So I I just want to, the reason I'm emphasizing this is because we so often think, well, we leave teaching to the professionals because they've gotten a degree and they've been trained and all of that. And it's true, they have training, they worked hard for it. Um, a lot of times their heart is just very much, they, they love what they're doing, but I want to talk about the family. I want to talk about the parent-child relationship and how unique that is, but also how it how it cannot be replaced. But also that it's God given and how very natural it is for a parent, a warm, loving, responsive parent, to, to be able to teach their child. So you know, there are there are parents I've heard just kind of freak out when it comes time to start kindergarten or when their child becomes school age. They think, how can I possibly be responsible for my kids' education? Because we've been trained to think that we can't do it. And yet I believe nothing could be further from the truth, that we are fully capable. It doesn't mean we have to know everything and it doesn't mean that we're not going to learn a whole lot along the way. That's the whole idea, is that we learn right alongside of our children. And in doing so, we teach them to be lifelong learners. We do it together. And this is the beauty of homeschooling, is that we can do that. So parents ask, how can I possibly be responsible for my kid's education? But think about this. You taught your child to walk, to talk, et cetera. How did that happen? Well, let's go back. Let's 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 think about that that little uh, one year old that all of a sudden decides that they want to walk. Well, how do you know that they're wanting to walk? Well, you've observed them, and you've looked at them, and you've said, "I think he's trying to walk. I think he wants to walk. He's standing up and uh, letting go of the the coffee table." And so. You see that and you what's what do you do? You respond to that. You go over there, you hold his hand, and you start to walk alongside him. You cheer him on, you encourage him. And you don't tell him every, you don't think to yourself every time he falls, Oh, I'm not, I'm not equipped to teach him this. I'm just not. I, I I'm not I'm not a professional. I can't teach him this. Of course not. You're his cheerleader. You're his biggest fan. And so you hold his hand and you walk with him and you let go and you say, you can do it. You can do it. It's the same thing with teaching our children. We have so much information at our fingertips and ways to track down information, and ways to be resourceful, that there's no reason that we can't find out whatever it is that we need to know and find those resources that we need to be able to teach our kids. So we teach our kids to walk, we teach them to talk, and eventually what happens? Our kids are doing it on their own. They own it ownership. This is a huge thing when we're homeschooling. We want to just continually encourage ownership. So when you wonder what that looks like along the way, think about what happened when they were walking and talking. You taught them, you showed them some things, but then you let them try it on their own. You let them experiment. You let them explore. It's the same thing with teaching them all the other things. So I just want to encourage you to remember that you are equipped for this. And because you're the parent, because you are that warm, loving, responsive parent, we want to, I think about how did this look as uh, our kids were growing up? I can honestly say we did exactly what I just mentioned. And in that process, we encourage lifelong learning by saying, by cheering them on and, and following their interests and saying, hey, what do you think about that? Asking them questions, letting them explore and experiment on their own. We taught them to be resourceful. I just was, was talking about that as we're, you know, telling our kids, you know what, I don't know a thing about what you're saying or what you're talking about, but let's figure it out. Or where do you think we can find it? Or maybe you could um, look a couple places and see what you can find out about it and let me know. What you find out So there's lots of different ways we can encourage that resourcefulness um, and then when they're stuck we can say hey let's let's try the library, let's try this, let's try that and we teach them to be resourceful. So if you're encouraging lifelong learning and you're teaching them to be resourceful and you're teaching them to work for what it is they're trying the goal that they're trying to reach those three things are, the best things you can teach your kids, the most important things we can teach our kids as we're homeschooling them and raising them. I found it interesting because a book that I read years ago had a quote in it that was really um, encouraging to me. It said, the Smithsonian Institution's study of 20 world-class geniuses stressed three factors. You ready for them? a warm, loving, educationally responsive parents and other adults, because other people can teach our kids some things. But basically, the the primary responsibility and the primary relationship being that warm, loving, responsive parent. Number two, scant association outside the family. And I think what he's trying to say there is a good, solid, cohesive family, a healthy family life. We're not scattered and Um, you know, fragmented and hurried and not having enough margin in our day, we have time for our family to be a family on a regular basis. So it's the the warm, loving, responsive parent, the scant association outside the family. Again, that doesn't mean they're not socializing. It just means a strong family life. And number three, a great deal of creative freedom under parental guidance to explore their ideas, drilling as necessary. So this is something that I, I did a lot with our kids. They would explore and experiment on their own. A lot of times they would come back to me. I encourage them to come back to me and show me, what did you do? What did you find? Um, what did you discover? And they would explain these things to me. And and that way I was encouraging this confidence in them. And, you know, as far as drilling, I think drilling just means asking questions, you know, just be inquisitive. Tell me more. What is it you love about this? And just knowing our kids and being that warm, responsive parent. Okay, so first, first thing, parents, um, I believe, can and will be often the best parents are the best teachers for their children because they care more than anyone about their children's future. Number two, kids are natural born learners. Have you ever noticed that? They are naturally curious. They love to explore and experiment. I was watching our grandkids yesterday. I was watching our, um, not quite two-year-old granddaughter who's a bit of a chunky monkey. I loved squeezing her little thighs and her cheeks. But anyway, she was navigating, walking over uneven rocks, and uh, you know, just a, a place where a bunch of rocks were sort of popped up out of the ground. And and she was trying to navigate, you know, walking over them, and it was work. But she had to find her balance and and keep her footing and. We don't realize, I was talking about this with um, my daughter, our, our, da- our granddaughter's mom, as we were on a walk yesterday, I was, I was talking about how much Ella was learning just walking through that rocky ground and having to keep her balance and um, think about what she was doing and navigate that uncharted territory. And we tend to minimize this time spent out ta- outside, this time Exploring nature, uh, doing things on their own. I was watching our grandson just, you know, hit a plastic a ball with a bat and just the coordination that had to come with that you know and he'd do that for a few minutes he's 3 years old and then he would go over and you know find a bug on the ground and examine that and then he would run over and talk to me for a while and you know i just i just loved watching them because you realize just letting them explore and experiment and get their hands on things they are learning so much the little connectors are connecting in their little brains and So all that to say they are natural born learners. So homeschooling, when homeschooling involves lots of exploring and experimenting, our kids' minds develop naturally because it's how they're hardwired. And this is what makes homeschooling so doable. Our kids have interests. They want to explore, they want to experiment, they start out that way, but we can quickly snuff that out by putting a lot of pressure on them to do book work and maybe to do things that they're not quite ready for, and this is why I encourage an unhurried approach and especially a slower start um, to school, you know, kindergarten, first grade, just being very gentle in how we approach learning, and this is what I talk about in The Unhurried Homeschooler. But what makes homeschooling doable is this love for learning. So if we can just continue to inspire that and encourage it, mainly by not burning it out and just being their cheerleader and giving them this time and space to explore and experiment, this is what makes homeschooling so doable. Kids are natural born learners. So number three. The last thing that I want to talk about that makes homeschooling work is that when kids are home with their families in a loving environment, they feel safe. Now, this didn't necessarily seem like such a hot topic years ago. I still feel like it was, but it's really brought, uh, it's been magnified recently with the school shootings that are going on. And all the ways that our kids are beginning, not beginning, but they are feeling unsafe in our schools. I had a conversation with a mom whose child goes to a public school, and I could, I could see the concern on her face for her children. And her comment to me was, if the teachers start to um, arm themselves with guns at school, I'm pulling my child out. Now, I'm not sure exactly what the motivation was there, why she felt that way, but I think that people on the other end also feel uh, strongly. There are people who feel that if the teachers can't protect my children with, with a gun or something, then I don't want my child to go to school. So parents are being... Um, they're being challenged to really face not necessarily, the question isn't how do we keep more school shootings from happening? The question really is why did that child or that person want to harm all these children and these teenagers? Why? Okay. There's a much deeper question there. And obviously I can't go into that in this podcast, but The point that I want to make is that less and less children are feeling safe for that reason, but also there are some real social pressures and academic pressures that exist in the school setting. I don't think that every single one of those is necessarily bad, but I feel strongly that in the early years, it is more than children can handle. It is too much for them. Kids need to feel safe. Mr. Rogers said one of the first things a child learns in a healthy family is trust. Trust is essential to a child's growing brain and body. Children are developmentally not ready to deal with the ongoing social and academic pressures that they face. Like I said, not maybe not every single one is bad, but I think there is way too much of it going on, and we don't know how it's affecting our children. We really don't, because children aren't able at that young age to understand those feelings, much less express them to us. So my take on it as we prepared to go into the um School years with our kids was that I didn't want my kids to have to deal with that. I wanted them to be able to freely learn and and learn um, in a way that worked for them without a lot of um, pressures. I felt like they needed time and space to be children, to find out who they really were, and to be who they were. To feel safe enough to be able to have. Uh, negative feelings to be able to express them and to have a loving, caring response to that from parents and siblings. And and because I felt like if my kids were going to learn, they needed to feel safe. They needed to feel like all these other things weren't bearing down on them so that their little brains and their bodies and their emotions could develop in a healthy way. Because if they're constantly feeling pressure to perform academically or socially, I'm going to say it again, it short circuits the learning process. The whole idea of education is that we want to give our kids an environment where they can thrive in that learning process, where they can really um, learn who they are and their personal boundaries. And um, just there's so much to that. And all of that is short circuited when they've got all this pressure bearing down on them. If children do not feel safe, they cannot and they will not learn. I remember when I was four years old, uh, almost five, my birthday was in November, but my mom went ahead and registered me for kindergarten. She didn't want to send me to school. She actually, in her heart, really wanted to still she wanted me to be at home with her. She just didn't feel ready to let me go, but she wanted to be a responsible parent, like any good parent. And so she went ahead and registered and sent me to school. Well, what ended up happening was that I remember getting stomach aches every day and I remember going to the school nurse, the teacher would send me to the nurse and um I would say I had a stomachache because I did, and she would call my mom, and after a, you know, this happened over and over again, the school called my mom in and said, you know, we don't really think that Dorinda is ready for kindergarten yet. Why, maybe it would be a good idea for you to keep her home until next year. Well, my mom was absolutely thrilled. She was happy to have me back home. And you know what? I am so thankful that she made that decision because I remember it vividly. And I remember being thrilled and feeling so loved that, that, that my mom wanted me back home and that I didn't have to go to school and that I could stay in this place that I loved at home and be with my mom. And it seems like such a small thing but I, but knowing that my mom wanted me to be with her and protected me for, from something that I wasn't ready for impacted me greatly. Feeling that love and that care and that protection made me feel so loved. And now at 50 years old, I still remember it. And I can't help but wonder if maybe that memory impacted how I approached homeschooling with our kids. All I know is it worked for our family, and I'm so thankful for it. I'm so thankful that God led me to just take things slowly with our kids. We've seen them thrive and just do so well. And, you know, now we've graduated five, and we have three left at home, and they're all just, they're all doing really, really well. I'm, I am i just, I'm thankful. That's all I can say is I'm thankful. So, I want to talk about the most important things that we can do, because you know I mentioned that our homeschooling was uh, so simple, and I go into more details as to kind of what our days look like in the unhurried homeschooler. But I want to share with you three of the most important things we can do as we're homeschooling our kids. One. Make sure that our kids are gradually learning the 3 Rs. And if you don't know what those are, that is reading, writing and arithmetic. And we're doing it at a pace that works for them. Some of my kids didn't read till they were 7. Between 7 and 8. I think my latest reader was about 8. But that was that was how our kids were wired, you know. Um and we 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 Approached reading, we approached math, we approached these three R's at a pace that I felt like worked for each child. And this is the beauty of homeschooling: is you can do this on a timetable that works for your child and utilize that nurturing, uh, mothering uh, gift that you have inside of you, that nature that you have. Because sometimes we know, you know, I think if he tried a little harder, he would actually love this. And we know that that. We can encourage that child and maybe they do need to be, uh, you know, kind of pushed along. I don't mean shoved, but, you know, gently encouraged a little bit more. And some of them we need to back off. But as mothers with that nurturing nature that we have, we can gauge that. And that's the beauty of homeschooling. So these three R's, reading, writing, and arithmetic, I always looked at those as the basic tools. These are the tools that I want to make sure. If my kids have nothing else, they have these tools. And the reason that I want them to have those tools is so that they can go out and do whatever it is that they love, that they can find what they're excited about. They can find what they were made to do. Maybe it's more than one thing, but they'll have the tools to do it if they know basic math and they know reading and they know how to write. So that's the... the, the uh, kind of the perspective that I took on that. So one, making sure they're gradually learning the three R's at a pace that works for them. Two, create an optimal learning environment. We do this simply by being loving, warm, responsive, engaged parents. I can't emphasize that enough. I know it probably sounds like I'm repeating myself over and over and over again. It's because I am. It's because parents underestimate the value of that. We've, we've seen education as a, you know, teacher-child relationship. I spit out the information. I give the information to the child. I try to get the child to ingest it, and then I try to get them to spit it back out. That is not learning. That is such a small part of learning. And a child is motivated to do that when they love the material or they're passionate about what they're doing. And this is why it's so important for us as parents to look for what excites and energizes our children and walk alongside them as they follow their interests. So so this is why for our family, the mornings we did the three R's. The afternoons was the time that they followed their interests. And lastly, don't let the world revolve around them. And what I mean by that is, we want our kids to understand that they are part of something much bigger than themselves. We want to teach them to be selfless. We want to teach them to notice the lonely and the neglected. We want them to have an understanding of what that looks like. And in the last podcast, I talked a lot about that. We walk that out as women as nurturers in our daily life, both with our children, but also as we go out from our homes. So when we're at the grocery store, when we're at the library, when we're dealing with with people, um, the guy who comes to fix our air conditioner, we recognize that every person is valuable and we, we engage that nurturing relationship, whatever that is, whether that's, uh, or that nurturing nature that we have inside of us, as we connect with each of these people throughout our days. And so if, as we're homeschooling, we bring these our children alongside of us, and they watch that. And they begin to have an understanding that the world doesn't revolve around them. You know, it. it there's a, a bigger much bigger story going on, and we want to teach them to look for opportunities to help the lonely to meet um, meet the needs of the neglected and the interesting thing about that is um again, I'm referring back to Mr. Rogers, and I would encourage you to go and watch some of his um, shows. he was on p b s for years and that man really impacted the world with his um, care for children and the way that he made them feel special and loved and talked about the simplest of struggles and how to cope with them. But his underlying message was really about growing healthy children. He was concerned about children and the kinds of things that they were taking in. And he knew that these children had the potential to make the world a better place. And so I just, I love reading some of his quotes and some of the things that he he talks about um, But we want to teach our kids that they're part of something bigger than themselves. We want to teach them to be selfless. We want to walk alongside them and show them what that looks like. So the bottom line here is that homeschooling doesn't work because you have the perfect curriculum or because you made it through all that curriculum by the end of the school year. That isn't what makes homeschooling successful. It works. Homeschooling works because it doesn't work because we made it through the checklist, right? It's, there's something about the checklist. Have you noticed that? It can just be so, it can become our master. And homeschooling doesn't work because that checklist was checked off. Homeschooling works because of a warm, loving, responsive, parent-child relationship. It works because our children feel safe and are allowed to be children. Developing on their own natural timetable. Homeschooling works because our kids can have the freedom to explore and experiment. It works because our children learn that they are an important part of a much bigger story. Next week, I'm going to be talking with Holly Giles. And we're going to be talking about kids being out in nature and a lifestyle of learning. She has Learning Lifestyle Revival. That is the name of her website. But she's going to be talking with us about taking kids outside and things that we can do with them and the reasoning, just the how and the why behind having our kids outside exploring in nature. And so I encourage you to listen in next week and get a real uh, feel for what that looks like. So if you'll join me next week with Holly, I would love to have you there. So I'm just going to pray with you right now because I love homeschooling. I love, I'm passionate about encouraging homeschooling moms. And I'm telling you right now, you've got this. You've got that nurturing nature. You've got kids that are ready and willing to learn. And that's all you need. You know, God is right there with you along the way to give you wisdom. And I just want to pray for you right now. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time together. Thank you for homeschooling. Thank you for the privilege that we have in having our kids at home with us. God, it's a big job and it can feel overwhelming at times, but Lord, thank you that you make it possible for us to do this, Lord. Thank you for that nurturing nature that you put in us. Thank you for the ways um, that you've equipped us, but also the ways you've equipped our kids, Lord giving us kids who are natural-born learners. Help us to hone in on that and to encourage that, Lord. We thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you for the ways that you work in our lives and the ways that you bind our families together through homeschooling. Lord, I pray that that would happen for every family that's listening right now, God. Thank you for this day. Thank you for your goodness to us, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.